Welcome to Music Business Mindset, a podcast where we're all about helping you grow personally and professionally as an artist. We want to see you grow a lasting, successful music career. So that's what we talk about on this podcast. My name is David Ryan Olson. I'm so excited that you joined me today. We have an amazing episode with a guy named Anthony Craparata. I think I pronounced his name right. <laughs> he runs a website called lyricvids.com where, just like the name sounds like, they make lyric videos for artists. So we caught up today talking about the importance of lyric videos as a promotional tool and also just generally where the music industry is at. So I really love this episode. I hope you do too. So I'm not going to dilly-dally anymore. Let's just get right into the episode. Here's our interview with Anthony Craparata. All right, I'm here with Anthony Craparata. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing really good. Awesome. Dude, super stoked to have you on today. You are kind of a badass, if I say so myself. So I'm excited to have you uh, get introduced to our audience and just tell a little bit about your story. So would love just to jump in. Why don't you just kind of share your story from the beginning? I mean, there's a lot of story to tell, but the abbreviated version, I suppose, is I like, I think many of your listeners have been in love with music for a really long time. I made music for many, many years as a first when I was a young boy as primarily just a rapper. And then years later, I got into singing and songwriting and a little bit into production. I even at one point signed a deal with Fontana where I had a little indie label with some artists that we were developing and just like doing all of the things that you do when you're a, a music person looking for avenues for that, for that talent and for that, for that interest. And then along the way, my story goes that it occurred to me that as YouTube was blowing up at the time, I know I'm aging myself a little bit, but this is when YouTube was becoming kind of like the phenom that it is today, that a real access point in the music industry was going to be someone needed to help all these people make videos. So I started shooting music videos. I stole a video camera. That's a real story from a boss of mine many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he owed me some money. There's a, it's a long story. But in any case, I did steal the video camera and I started shooting music videos for myself and just like watching tutorials on YouTube about, you know, how does somebody, you know, cut themselves out and make two of them on the screen like we've all sort of seen in like a comedy sketch or whatever. And so I'm watching all these things on on YouTube and then going back home and, and, and shooting a clip myself and trying it. And I just got addicted to that. I got addicted to learning how to like make cool visual things. And for many years, I was that guy here in Toronto, Canada, where I'm based, the music video guy. So for every local rapper and drug dealer and rock band, <laughs> I'd come out and shoot your show or come out and shoot behind the scenes or, I, you know, like the run and gun videographer that we all know, a, a hustler in our local community that does that. That was me. You know, I shot a thousand music videos that way, like out on the out in the street and here in Canada, that's in the wintertime and the summertime. We get really extreme temperatures on both sides. So around seven years ago, wanting to take a step back from the local music scene because of artist egos and kind of all the politics that go into that music community stuff that I know you and, and all the listeners know a lot about, I thought it'd be really fun to kind of take this passion that we had for making videos and shift it a little bit and move behind the scenes and just work in, in post-production, work in animation and add cool lyrics. And at the time, I didn't exactly know what the breadth would be, but it was the idea was lyric videos and similar, you know? And what I loved about it was I didn't have to be out in the streets with my tripod on my back and I didn't have to be in the braving the temperatures. And I wasn't arguing with artists on set about how many hours they had booked. It sort of removed a lot of those elements for me. That was the first thing I was really interested in, to be honest, was just the ability to stay home 
and make these videos kind of at my own pace and I could dial up as you know the hours as I wanted to I really liked the malleability of the schedule of being at home as an animator and so that was the beginning for me you know and and uh, the first year we didn't do a lot of damage on lyric videos as I think word was still getting out at the time in the, our first year we used to get a lot of isn't that just karaoke <laughs> and it's like no that's not really and then if you remember once upon a time you know all lyric videos were like fan made so they were like just like bad aerial font on the bottom or it's not even really in time with the music it's like comic sans fading in and out you know <laughs> yeah exactly and so you know the uh the avatar font or whatever just completely misused you know papyrus <laughs> papyrus exactly i couldn't remember the name I'm a font guy too. I should. You are talking to someone who who likes stupid font. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm a font fetishist as well. I feel you. So yeah, so I got a lot of why would anyone pay for that? I remember that first year just like really feeling like I had to educate people that what we were talking about was cool digital videos and that was different than, you know, fan-made videos. And so that's the first chapter and every I mean, we'll talk I'm sure about what happened after year 1 because I think that's where a lot of the success story happens, but in terms of why did I get here and how did I get here? I'm a creative person who doesn't like having a boss. I really enjoy music and I think a lot of the time we find ourselves looking at the adjacent skill sets when we're making our own single covers and we're mixing our own music and we're doing our own publicity. Which piece of that do you enjoy that you could then start doing for your friends and other artists? I think a lot of people do that. I probably just followed that to the end of the earth with Lyric Vids. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up that Lyric Vids aren't necessarily just a karaoke thing because that's, I think, what a lot of people think of. They think, okay, well, I'm an artist. I need to be on YouTube and I need to have something for my fans to supplement just the actual song release. But man, I don't want just like a lame karaoke video because that's just, no one's going to care about watching that. But on, you know, on the other hand, like you said, doing a full on music video, that's a frick ton of work. Like you got to get actors, you got to do a script, you got to like pay people to shoot it, edit it. Like you're talking about thousands upon thousands of, of people hours just to make something that like may end up looking like a college student project in the end. Yeah. And the reality is if you're an artist who puts out music with any level of regularity you know that not every release pops sometimes it really goes and it resonates and people are sharing it and then other times it isn't and it really burns when you drop 20 grand on something and it doesn't get off the ground that feels like just a kick right in the stomach right and so listen the thing you don't expect to get from the lyric video guy is this if money is no object for you and you have all the money in the world absolutely be kendrick lamar and go make amazing cinematic music videos Absolutely. That's what I would do. If I could spend a hundred grand on every video, I would for sure hire incredible videographers and fleets of models and they're all wearing the same wig and we're going to fly the camera. Of course, that sounds amazing. We live in a real world where most of us don't have that budget. We don't have that time. We don't have those resources. And so then it becomes a conversation about, well, if you're not shooting the Kendrick Lamar, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers level video, then what are you doing? Because most of us aren't doing that. And that goes for musician me too, right? So, well, then you have two options. You're shooting a music video that isn't as big as that. You know, that's the music video shot by your buddy. Or you make something digital, something different that you're not going to appear in. And the reason why I love that is if you've ever gone out and shot a video with your buddy, it's really hard to make that video feel expensive, to feel high level, to feel custom it feels like a guy and his friends went out with a camera and i say that as a guy who went out with my friends in a camera a thousand times you know <laughs> but in the digital space all of a sudden you can put up 
boundaries and parameters in the design that can build mystery and can build intrigue and can build a high-level, expensive-looking brand without spending $20,000. That becomes an option for you. You think about the kinds of mysterious visuals where a logo just slowly appears and then vanishes. It's like... What was that? That's interesting. Versus man standing in his lawn film. It's like, it's how, how does one get to sexy and myst- mysterious? It can be expensive and difficult to get to sexy and mysterious going out with your video camera. It's not impossible. I've seen some people do amazing work with low budgets, but it can be difficult. And I think anyone who's ever been presented with this, hey, I have five awesome new songs coming. What are the visuals I'm going to do? We've all kind of played this over in our minds. Like, how can I shoot something that looks high level, but isn't going to bust my budget on the first record? And that's hard to do. And truthfully, that's a challenge I continue to approach as an artist myself as well, because I do like to go between lyric videos and other kinds of content. But if you go look at my personal Instagram, I so often end back at digital content because that's the quickest route to a specific theme or it's the quickest route to you want something that looks like it's on fire. That's complicated. That's dangerous. You need all kinds of permits. But there's a lot of great fire footage that already exists out there that I can manipulate in a really interesting way that your fans aren't even going to be thinking about who shot the fire. It's just that we can do some really cool things with it that help propel the record and and propel the, the vision for the record. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad that you said you don't know what song is going to pop. And lyric videos are a great way to test the waters a little bit. Like, let's say for some reason you magically have 50 grand to dump into a music video or 100 grand to dump into a music video. You got to know which song to put that on, right? Absolutely. That's a good point. I think major record labels do do that. I think major record labels do test out visualizers and lyric videos before they go Let's choose the single. And they have other ways too. The major labels will test radio and and other ways. But it happens a lot we're working with Universal or somebody and it's like they have us doing the lyric video for Jason Derulo six months before they go to radio because they're using the lyric video to determine if people even mess with the record. What's the general consensus? Are people, is it infectious or is it annoying or, you know, whatever. And it's always good to look at how the big boys are using this content as, as an experimental, it's like focus grouping, right? I used to love the concept of focus grouping, being able to show something to a percentage of your audience and get a sense of what they think. And I think a lyric video is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you explain why a lyric video is a better way to focus group than just releasing a song on Spotify? Well, the main reason is, and this may not exist forever, is that Spotify is kind of like a closed network in that people aren't just scrolling like a Spotify news feed looking at the new artists. If you end up on a playlist, you can kind of end up in this cross-pollination system where people will find you naturally. But if you're an artist just kind of rubbing two sticks together, trying to get the buzz going, the algorithm generally works against you, not for you. You're not getting really presented to anybody. And so what you need to do is open up that closed system. And the best way to do that is to get your music onto open systems, open systems like Instagram and TikTok and other places where people can feasibly come across your art and your voice and your thing, like the thing that makes you so interesting as an artist, they get to see that and go, huh, like that's cool. And maybe they follow you or maybe they like or whatever. You know, social media is uh, the gift and the curse, but it's definitely at least possible that your art form could be encountered by somebody who likes art like yours. And therefore they could end up back on your Spotify, back on your other things. And in my opinion, when you're putting music out and you're thinking about your marketing strategy, A lot of artists spend a lot of time thinking about 
marketing strategy in terms of like how to get on a label or how to get famous or, and I think it's a lot more like how does one get customers in the door? It's like if you open up a burger joint or whatever, it's not about how do I become McDonald's? That's sort of a silly conversation to have at the marketing meeting. The conversation you have is how do you get people in the door so that you can sell so many burgers you could even be thinking about that down the road. And I think videos is how you get people in the door. Mm-hmm. And this is, side note, this is something we absolutely preach here at Music Business Mindset. If you want to know more about this new changing business model, you can go to musicbusinessmindset.com. There's a free little workshop where you can learn more about this whole business model that he's hinting about here. I'm not one of those people who, you know, hopes I'm the only beacon of this actual, like, authentic view of the music industry. I'm so pleased when I come across other people like yourself who are not perpetuating the misinformation of, like, this mirage of A&Rs out in the world looking for young artists, it's just, that's not the reality that we live in anymore. And the more you think like a business person, like an entrepreneur, like an actual CEO of your business, that's how to find some success in this business. Absolutely. So one of the key trends that we've been seeing in the past decade or so is that you need to approach the music business as almost like a content creator. Your records are one piece of content. Your videos on YouTube, whether they're covers or lyric videos or music videos, are another piece of content that invites people into your ecosystem. So can you share a little bit more about where lyric videos fall in that content and promotional mix? That's a great question, and I appreciate you dialing me in because that's the thing that lyric videos do best. I think the reason my company's been successful and why the genre has taken off And I just had a conversation yesterday with a major label that I'm really excited about. And they said to me over the last five years, they went from not knowing what lyric videos are to including one on every single release. And the reason is this. A lyric video is the most customizable and brandable piece of content you can make. And the reason I say that is this. You can take all those amazing photos you've been assembling for your press kit and they can be assembled into your lyric video. So it, it really shows what you look like and who you are and like puts your photography on display in a way that really only your Instagram otherwise would do. Alternatively, it's like if your whole thing is that you're this goddess of the night and your astrology symbols is kind of your whole brand, you will love the video I will make with those elements. So the idea is that like we're taking the juice that makes you you, the stuff that you would like put on your web design, the stuff that you put on your album cover and in your EPK, those ingredients that make up the soup that is your brand, those are the ingredients that we can bring to life in a lyric video in a way that is really tough to do in a music video unless you're going to print astrological symbols up and hold them in the, in the thing. It's, <laughs> it's tough, especially, you know, you think about what a lot of people's brand is. A lot of artists' brands are, you know, I'm the guy with anxiety and I fought through it or someone else thing is I've had a treacherous past that these are abstract concepts and I think a digital video where we can play with texture and illustration and animation and light effects I think these are the kinds of things that sometimes allow you to paint those types of abstract pictures better than a music video of you just looking in the camera and performing can sometimes and uh, similarly also you think about your, your lyrics being in the song so people can learn the lyrics to the song they can understand what the song is actually about we've all had as an artist and as a fan when you find out what you thought the lyric was and what it really is, you're like, huh, oh, that's interesting. And so it's, it almost feels like as the artist, you're intuitively giving them something to learn the lyrics to this record and to, and to experience it a little bit deeper. Mm, I love that because it, the more paths you can like paint in someone's minds, the more connected they're going to feel to you. That's it, man. A thing I often say to artists is this, what's the offering you have for a new customer? The offering is this, I make really good music. You should consider listening to my music amongst the other music you already listen to. This is basically the pitch you make as an artist. 
That's really hard to feel emotionally connected to as a pitch. Like, yeah, a lot of people make good music. And I don't know if you've noticed, but 20% of people can kind of sing. The average person goes, yeah, my sister-in-law makes music. My old assistant was a pretty good rapper. Or it's like you really realize that people have people in their lives that are already like that. You're not going to win someone over just by, I make good music. You should listen to it, which is, I think, how most of us begin this strategy thought. So what you need to do is you need to give them something to hold on to, something to be excited about about you that makes them want to listen to the music because they love that other thing so much about, they love that so much, then the music must be interesting. It must be for me. A good example, do you know who Action Bronson is, the rapper? No, I'm a rock and roll guy. <laughs> That's fine. He's a very, very famous rapper, but he's right down the middle for rap, meaning it's very braggadocious. It's very like punchlines and metaphors. And there's a million other rappers like him. He's very good, but there's a million other rappers that are like him that aren't getting discovered. And I remember the first time I heard about Action Bronson, what I actually heard was, this man is an incredible chef and he also raps. <laughs> and then later on it was, this is that guy, he's this fat rapper, he's, he's a chef, he's a professional chef and he's also, and these are the interesting things that make you remember this guy as a, this rapper. Otherwise he would have come and gone through my ears like a million other great rappers that I've come across on the internet. And I think we can all think about other artists like that where you, you got into a thing about them, they're really funny or they partner with this really cool artist where there's a visual art that you really respond to that kind of goes hand in hand with the music. And I think of these things as like handles, something to actually grab onto to then now fall in love with the songs themselves and listen to them enough times that you're actually going to develop a relationship relationship with them. Mm, absolutely. If I had a nickel for every stupid, talented singer, guitar player that I heard at a bar or music venue, or even on, you know, American Idol, The Voice, all of that fun stuff, I would be so stinking rich because it's not just about having drop dead, brilliant talent. Like, it's about, like, are you, are you giving it to people in a way that they can connect with? Are you building an artistry and a brand around your talent? So much of music, you know, the whole thing about poetry is it's 50% for you and 50% for them. And so when someone comes across your music, I know how I feel when I scroll because I follow all the hashtags, you know, new music. And, and so because I like I like to be in the stream of things people are promoting and putting out there to get a sense of what are like kids and like new artists releasing and how are they releasing it and stuff. But my general feeling when I see it is this is for them. This is them making a song because they have feelings and thoughts about something and they needed to get them out. I don't scroll past that and go, they found me. I feel like I'm, I'm seeing them express this thing that's they're very much for them. And so you need to think of a way to make it for me. And I think making it entertaining and showing me something else that maybe I'm also interested in that I can relate to is a good way to do that in creating some common ground. So it's not just me sitting quietly watching you rap or shred on your guitar, which, you know, it's really cool, but it's very self-serving for you and your ego as an artist. And I think sometimes approaching it in the like, what is my viewer really getting out of this when they're scrolling past this piece of content is something to consider as well. Mm -hmm. Well, when I think about my favorite lyric videos that I've come across, it's the ones that have like reinforced a feeling and an experience that weren't just karaoke. Like I remember when look what you made me do by Taylor dropped. And like, I watched that lyric video probably 10 times in a row. One, because I was definitely in like a big Swifty phase, <laughs> you know, also like it was a mesmerizing video and I'm sure like it didn't cost a ton to make. Yeah. There were kind of fancy animations, but you know, it's within reason. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather watch that compared to just Taylor Swift lip syncing in front of a camera. Yeah. Because you've seen that, right? We've all seen an artist. And if you really love an artist, you also want that video because you want to see what the performance looks like. 
and it come from their face and from their lips. But I agree, you know, if you're following something along or if you're on YouTube cruising playlists and every screenshot is the guy like real sexy in sunglasses looking into the frame, <laughs> at a certain point, it just starts to blend in. These are a lot of people who think they're sexy and they're staring into the camera. And so it becomes about how can I surprise and delight? How can I give them something edgy and new that they haven't seen before? Digital is a good way to do that. A thing you touched on that I think is really interesting that we do, and I imagine other animators do it as well, although I'm such in a little vacuum. I've not spoken to anybody. <laughs> like my peers and contemporaries that also make lyric videos. But when I listen to music and there's a slow build in a, in a sound or there's a... Pulse in the sound. Visually, there's very specific effects that connect to that in a way that almost feel like it would be blasphemy to go a different way because there's certain, it's almost like when you're mixing, you hear a kind of drum and you're like, okay, there's a certain kind of mix that goes on that kind of drum. And then for us, when I hear the percussion and I hear the music, oh, there's a certain kind of edit style that goes beautifully with that kind of music or a certain kind of light flare that goes beautiful with that kind of growing, swelling sound in the background or whatever. And so the thing that we get off on is listening to a song for the first time and just envisioning like, what is it saying? And when you nail that, there's a little emotional payoff for the viewer where, again, this is us high on our own juices in a little way, but where I feel like the video becomes an extension of the music in a way that the fan can't differentiate. They start being like, oh, wow, this song always had this visual. They must have been made in the same womb because that where one ends, the other one picks up. And I think that's what we strive to do. And not every budget has enough time for us to really get into the crannies of that. And not every project do we nail that down to the magic level. But that's what we strive for on everything is to, is to create that synchronicity between the audio and video so that the person walks away with like, wow, I really experienced this kind of like emotion and idea from my favorite artist's mind and heart. And it was this whole visual audio experience. Yeah. Artists aren't just in the craft of making sounds artists are in the craft of crafting experiences because that's why you listen to music you don't listen to music because it tickles my eardrums in a certain particular way no you listen to music because it makes you feel something sometimes that's you know angry sometimes that's happy sometimes that's sad sometimes it's fun whatever it is and the more paths you can provide to someone to feel that experience and to like become swept away in your music, the better. I couldn't agree more. And I think if you talk to a young person, you and I are both in the like, we've been here for a minute. <laughs> but when you talk to a young person, I got a nephew who's like 10. He's never heard a song in his life, bro, that didn't have a video. Wow. That's a weird thought, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... For him, if you play him a song where there's no video, it's an incomplete experience. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like a little bit like playing me a song with the, with the beat turned off. Like, yeah, it's, it's nice, but this is a cappella, right? Do you have a version where there's a beat? I sort of feel like for these kids who've always seen visuals along with their audio, that you're slacking to them in kind of like a generational gap kind of way. Because like, where's the rest? Where's the entertaining experience part? Especially when you consider that where they even discovered music. You know, I discovered music on cassette tapes and my dad discovered it on, on vinyls. My nephew discovered it on YouTube. And so his whole relationship with music is tied to YouTube. And so the idea that there's no visual doesn't really compute for him. And he's not old enough yet to like take issue when there's no visual, but you can definitely see that like, if you were to like focus group a bunch of 10 year olds about music, they're thinking TikTok, they're thinking YouTube, they're thinking shareable videos and memes with, with music behind it. None of them are picturing a song that doesn't have a video. And so I think the way these trends start is with kids because they, you know, they're the ones kind of soaking up that technology. But I think there's a reason why Spotify is going video and why 
the label I spoke with recently say they put they do lyric videos for everything, and it's because for a big percentage of the world, they think music, and they say, show it to me. They don't say, let me go pop it in my player and close my eyes and meditate to it, which is how I used to listen to music, what I would borderline meditate listening to it, and I think that would sound insane to my nephew Layden. <laughs> yeah. So, I know I kind of asked this earlier, but like, when is the right time to release a music video along with a song? You no, know, that's a great question. I'll tell you my personal opinion that is not at all data-driven, just many jaded years as an artist and then working on the marketing side. I'm of the opinion that it's difficult enough to get people to go over to the streaming platform on day one that I like putting no video out on day one. This has always been my thing is you have your super fans and they want somewhere to go support you and hear this new genius blessing you gave them musically. I like to send them to the place that matters most, to my Spotify, to my Apple Music. Go there, whatever the algorithm is going to do to help me let's do it today and let's do it there and get my traffic in kind of the place that ultimately matters. And then as that winds down, and for me, that wind down usually looks like three days, you know, I'm excited to hit them with a second piece of content that keeps the conversation going. And so for me, it's a couple days later, I like putting out a lyric video and it's a play on the, the single cover in a lot of cases. So it's an extension of something that they've already visually seen you sharing the audio form. And for people who didn't go peep the audio, which is a lot of people. Now they're going to get you on the second wave with the visual and the super fans, the one who already went to your Spotify on day one, because they always do that. They're going to see the video and go play it again. And it starts to maybe create like as many touch points as you possibly can. And if you're one of these people who focuses on a couple of pieces of video content, you know, Jason Derulo does. And I know this is a fan, not as a, a partner of his, by the way. But you have worked with him. I have worked. That's why I'm saying I've worked with Jason Derulo. Let's get you some cred here with the audience. <laughs> We've done six videos for Derulo. But I, I say that I have no inside information about his marketing strategies other than to say when I'm on YouTube scrolling and dancing in my den, I notice he has dance videos and lyric videos and official music videos and visualizers because he does what I, the plan I'm talking about for seven months where he like keeps hitting you with another piece of content to keep those touch points going and to, I think to build the momentum behind, wow, this is a hit song. I keep hearing it everywhere I go because he's continuing to create these touch points. And so me personally, I run out of budget somewhere around two videos for something. I might do a visualizer and a, and a lyric video or a lyric video and a music video or I'm really excited recently about doing live performance in my studio videos, a little bit kind of from the angle you're getting right now. And these are kind of some touch points that you can create. That's what I do. My record label clients, they're really big on releasing video on day of. And I believe that's probably because it's about creating as big a splash as you can on day one, especially if you've already got a marketing team behind you. So it's like, let's show the world that there was a big splash on release day and that everyone was talking about it. We'll get the PR people behind it. Again, from my POV, I'm not sure if that maps to someone just building a buzz from the ground up. Yeah, absolutely. But the idea is you, you want all the focus to go to one place. Yeah, it's like dividing your audience idea, right? It's like if you have, you know, for me, I have like 80 fans of my music. My music name is Ill Vibe. If you're really curious, you can go check out my stuff on Spotify and everywhere else. And I have like 80 fans who are like, they rode with me through the years and they still mess with the new releases. And, and it goes beyond that when the algorithm gets involved. But, you know, on day one, I see those I see those 80 people that they get excited and they share it. And I don't want to divide my audience any further than that, where it's like 20 people go to the lyric video, 20 people are going to Spotify, and 20 people are headed over to my TikTok dance or whatever. I'd like to kind of make it a whole thing where I say, hey, guys, it's almost time for another Illy song coming up in two weeks. 
and usually I'll hit them with some just like teaser graphics or like a little snippet of something to let them know that we've really put some cool creative into what's about to come. But on release day, it's all business. Please head over to Spotify. I would love you to add it to a playlist. I would really love to. Because once in a while, oh, Spotify sees that and they'll pop me over onto a little algorithm playlist, like the Soul playlist or the Canadian Bars Hip Hop playlist or something. And then all of a sudden my 80 plays becomes 8,000 and I'm the happiest boy in Happy Town. So that's kind of been my personal release strategy and it's the same thing I've mapped to the artists that I've put out through my independent label over the years and I will say none of them have ever made it famous and so I don't know that my data is exactly perfect <laughs> but I know that this is, a, this is a tough business and I think the philosophy checks out the philosophy checks out that it, if people aren't freaking out about the stuff you put out then you want to create a lot of quality touch points for them to kind of engage with it right so how would you reconcile that with the general philosophy I, I want to say in a previous interview I heard you do you said you need to have a lyric video and a music video if possible. How's that kind of reconcile with, well, you don't want to like divide your audience and whatnot. I just wouldn't release them at the same time. It's not competition. It's chapters of the story. You, chapter two and chapter three of the novel aren't competing. You're not like, oh, I don't know which one to read first. You read the one that was given to you first. We're going to give you a lyric video. You're going to get really excited about it. It's an extension of the single cover. So let's even go back a notch. So that when you first drop that single cover, this is a missed opportunity for a lot of people. The single cover really tells a story. If you're smart, you can build your lyric video and single cover at the same time. So everything is like really talking to each other in the same fonts and colors and textures. And then so that first single cover drop becomes the like, hey, a piece of my art is about to come. Here's your first taste of it, you know? And then so two weeks later or a week later or whenever, if you're impatient and you drop that lyric video, there's an emotional payoff there. Where it's like, oh, I loved the way that there was paint splatter and now I can see the paint dripping. So I'm really like, I'm feeding them a little bit more of this world that I've built around this song. And then, yeah, if you have the budget for a music video as well and all of the whole list of other stuff that the superstars do, yeah, absolutely, you can build momentum into a music video or into a live performance video or into your tour or whatever next thing might be based on that kind of narrative that you've built out from the single cover into the moving version of the single cover, which is kind of like a lyric video and then into the music video. I absolutely would say you do not want to be trampling on yourself releasing them all concurrently or even one day apart. People get confused. They're like, I haven't even been on Facebook in 24 hours. You release two things in that amount of time? I don't even know what to do. And so, yeah, I think spacing them out nicely is a healthy way to do it. And also, for me, it allows me to enjoy the process more. It allows me to like live in it and and like live and breathe in it and be like, this is the song. What do you guys think about it? Oh, I was really nervous about this one. I sang in a different way than I ever had before. And you can kind of live and, and, and be about the song. And then when you move to the video, you can talk a lot about the video and, and why you went that way and why the visual looks like it does and, and what that means to you. And one of the things we say about videos is don't share them just one time. A lot of people will share a video just one time and move on. But you can share it once to be like, this is the new video. But then a few days later say, here's the video again. And here's a little blog entry about why it's all made of paper and, and, and how we got at that. And you're almost creating multiple touch points within the same video by giving a little behind the scenes of the. So I think you can even fragment those releases even a little bit further. Yeah. Well, and, and plus when I just think about your promotion cycle, there's only so many times you can post, go listen to our new song on Spotify, go listen to our new song on Spotify. And if that's all you're posting for like two weeks or a month, people don't like that. Like, Yeah, they blur it out. Work your Spotify thing for a couple of days, then move on to the next thing. And it's still, you know, building up hype around your new song, but it's still like a new angle 
It's a new angle. Yeah, you're giving them something else. It's not just copy and paste because also people know what social media schedulers are. So when you're really being like very repetitive, even if you're not using one of those social media schedulers, it sort of is like, we've all seen that person who's just like, have you pre-saved? Have you pre-saved? Have you pre-saved? And you're just like, oof, I'm going to just mentally block that person out or possibly even mute you, which is that mute button is hot these days. You don't want to be the like person who's just like annoying people to the point of just muting you and I'll come back and check you when I want to. And so listen, this is also the same way that you're happy as an artist because no one wants to get up every day and say, pre-save now. That's, that, that's not enjoyable. In fact, how many times have you talked to an artist who says, I'm so bad on social media because I always forget to post every day pre-save. It's like, that's not how you be good at social media. How you be good at social media is you get on and you tell the story. You get on and tell them what you're actually doing at that part of the release process. And so when you spread those things out, it just makes, to me, it makes it easy. When I'm writing the song, I post lots on the internet about writing the song. And when I'm releasing it, I talk about the pre-save for a little while. And then really quickly, I move on. And when it's video time, I love to talk about that. And I think that's easy because that's you just kind of going through each of the steps and sharing your own thoughts and feelings about it. Yeah. Just in general on the promotion process and especially during the pre-save era, I think one of the things that's hard to cultivate for a lot of artists is hype around their new release that's not just another like pre-save spam sort of a thing have you seen artists use lyric videos that you've made just posting like a couple of second clips maybe even without the audio or whatever as a way to kind of build up momentum to be like oh there's something unique about to happen yeah i have and i think so we provide with everything we do complimentary snippets and we send to kind of like help with some of that stuff as it is but if you're clever you can also snip out some other little teasers and stuff and i've definitely seen that especially where we've drawn someone into their video so it's kind of even just within that one moment you get kind of like a ooh that's that's David. Like, I see he looks different in that cool kind of graphic novel style or whatever. And so you, I've definitely seen snippets used in that way to be like, oh, something cool is coming. It's like a moment of the cartoon or it's a, a flash of that opening title where there's like, fl- you know, embers coming up behind it or whatever. I think these are the kinds of things that build excitement. If you think about the things that get you excited, when I see a trailer for a movie I like or an actor I like just shares a little snippet that's like, oh, just wait. And you see their little silhouette. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention and see what this is. And so I think a lot of the time as artists, we forget to think about what gets you excited as a fan. If you were scrolling through, like what types of little teasers would actually engage you and have you like set a little reminder. And for me, it, it's the mystery and it's the, the mood building stuff that gets me excited. Yeah. Well, and I would get way more excited about seeing like a little like video snippet, something kind of swirly or whatever compared to just like someone posting their cover art that's coming out next week. I mean, like, yeah, if you're doing a good job with your cover art, it should get people excited, but cover art should be badass and you should absolutely release it. But you're totally right. I couldn't agree more. I keep coming back to Taylor Swift as an example, but like during the reputation era, she's a freaking brilliant marketer. She posted like just like little snippets of like snake videos around reputation. And everyone was like, what the heck is going on here? And it turns out that like tied in, I think with like a music video she was doing or something. That's one of the smartest things you can do is choose a really simple visual metaphor that we can then build your creative around a song around because then it opens up so many possibilities to say, this is all going to be built around drowning, this concept of water rising and drowning. And we're going to hit them with all these dramatic little snippets of these drowning water flushing past the camera. I don't even know what song this is for. I'm just freestyling and I'm excited already. It's like, this is the kinds of things that get you excited. And you know, Justin Timberlake is really good at that, where he starts releasing little 
aesthetic teasers of what this next project's going to look and sound like. And as I'm a big Justin Timberlake fan, self-proclaimed. He's a genius. And he's really good at this. Like, he, this is what this next mood's going to be. It's going to be very country. Look at this, like, tree line. And before you even see anything, you're like, oh, he went kind of rural on us. And so I think he's really good, as is T-Swift and so many others, at using those moments to tell a story to your fans even before they they get the full release. They're kind of getting, yeah, like trickle-fed or spoon-fed a little bit of that newness up until when the song comes out. Instead of just going, new song coming out, new song coming out. I know a new song coming out because you wouldn't be posting these trees if there wasn't. You know what I mean? It's like, you wouldn't be posting these little snippets and teasers if we weren't going towards a new song. He doesn't even have to say, new song coming. You just say that the first time, and then after that, it becomes little, you put the date, or you can be kind of cool and artistic about it yeah absolutely and just to kind of bring this back around like one of the most cost-effective ways to add a visual element to your release and your brand is to do the lyric videos like this lyric video and, and other digital videos too because for artists who don't do lyrical content visualizers are a great solution as well absolutely so we've kind of hinted at they are less expensive than a big old music video obviously it's going to depend on the project but can you give us an idea about you know just how cost-effective these kinds of things can be yeah, so I can only speak for ourselves, but I do know the other competitors who are not nearly as good nor as established, but they're easily found on Google, so your listeners are smart enough to, to look around. But I can speak for, you know, for us. So what we did, in addition to giving you some pricing information, which I think is useful in people framing in their head what this stuff costs, it'll also tell you a little bit about kind of our philosophy of even building these projects and how we deal with customers, is we tiered and kind of like bucketed a number of animation hours. And I think, because when you get into animation, just like with music and so many other things, the sky's the limit. Like when you get into an animation software, I can build a 3D city and then put your name on all the walls, or it could be a bouncing ball across the top of your lyrics, or we could zoom into someone's eye and then it's space. It's like the sky is the literal limit and beyond. And so one of the biggest reasons that animation and lyric videos seemed so mysterious in the past and may still seem mysterious to you if you've not yet spoken with us is that when you talk to an animator, they don't even know where to begin. Like, well, what do you want? I could make a whole universe. What do you want to do? And so what we've started to do is compartmentalize that a little bit and say, here are things that people often want. So they often want something that's made out of paper and it looks stop motion. Or they often want you know, an edit of some cool retro looking footage with a kind of film analog overlay. And we can make something super custom that no, we've never made before. We're not scared of doing that. But to make your job a little easier as an artist to understand the art form of animation and typography is here are some buckets of types of videos that we know how to make. You've seen examples of these in your fandom and in your kind of experience as a musician, and here's what those cost. And so you can use those as a jump-off point for your video. So often someone will say, oh, I really love this one paper video you showed me, but I'd like mine to be a little bit scarier and a little bit more moody and dark and broody. Could you do something like that? And it's like, yeah, we can use that as a jump-off point for production value and cost, etc. So in saying all of that, our tiers go like this. We have a standard lyric video that's $250. This is a sexy karaoke video. I hate to use that word, but it is the quickest understanding of what we're talking about. It's just really nice video footage that has been carefully selected based on your artwork and on your brand and on your song. And it edits in the background. Maybe it's a beautiful sky or maybe it's really cool footage of a grungy alleyway or whatever, depending on what your song is about. And then it's lyrics, you know, in a beautiful font. It's very, very nice, but it is very simple. And that's our $250 standard video. Then we have our plus, which is basically $500 and a step up from that. And so you could picture, instead of just being, you know, 
a background, like a screensaver with text on top, we're going to spend a little bit of time producing that. So now maybe it's split screen and the two split screens are sliding a little bit or it's a picture of, we did this, one lady had a song about uh, romantic nighttime. So there's a shot of the moon and then in the moon is a rose. And so while that's still somewhat simple, it's definitely more produced than just sort of a karaoke video. We're starting to create and composite scenes that have a little bit of that extra production value. These are the two levels a lot of our independent singer-songwriters will come to us for the first video when they want to make a piece of content and their budget's a little bit tight. Going up from there, we have what we call our Platinum at $750. And as you can see, it's, we've just basically built this $250 increment system, which makes it just nice and easy to follow. The Platinum is the beginning where our major label clients tend to live. $750 is not a crazy amount of money for animation, but it unlocks enough time to make some pretty cool stuff. So we can start doing a little bit of motion tracking. We can do some pencil illustration of the artist and put them in the video. It unlocks some art styles that I think pack a little extra punch when the fan is looking at it. And when you get to the platinum level, I can't be as specific to what it looks like because at that budget level, the spectrum starts to really open up. We can really do a lot with a 750, more than we could do, let's say for 250, which is pretty constrained. And then above that is our infinity, which is $1,000 and up. It goes up, up depending on what the people want. And you're getting rotoscoped, which is basically tracing you frame by frame, or if we're doing full animated music videos or people are sprinting in the camera, firing grenade launchers, like the price can get crazy. But one need not be intimidated because most people aren't trying to make war cartoons and, and these types of really mind-blowing, budget-blowing things. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, starting at around $1,000, this is where we live all day with major labels. This is like when we're working with David Guetta and Ty Dolla Sign and Tiesto and Foreigner and a million of past and present superstars. It's usually $1,000 to like $5,000 is where the bulk of our, like our Drake video is $4,000 to give you kind of an idea. So that's kind of the range that our major label clients tend to live. And so to put that in perspective, to make a really good music video, if you have a buddy who's giving you a deal, we're talking about $2,500. If he's like, I'm not taking any money for myself, but this will cover some models. We can get you a car. I'm sort of picturing a rap video here, bare minimum. And so if you're talking about really professional, multiple locations and you have a lighting guy, this is like labels, minimum is going to be 10 grand. And so the way I always look at it is you can take a zero off. Take a zero off of a music video and you're talking about lyric video budgets. And that's not universal because, again, some of us already own the camera and we can get away with, you know, pulling things off. But if you aren't one of those people and you're approaching this for the first time, I think, yeah, you're looking at hair string budget for a music video is 2500 and hair string budget for a lyric video is 250 And so I think that gives you a, a good starting spot for understanding the difference between the two. Yeah, well, absolutely. Even if you have, say, $1,000 to spend on something you know you have set aside for this, you can make yourself look way bigger and more established with that $1,000 if you do an animated music video or an animated lyric video than if you try to go and shoot something with your buddies or get some college students to help you out or, or whatever. You know what the secret is? This is the secret code. Go out and shoot some footage yourself and send it to a motion graphic animator person because then, then what they're going to do is they're going to take that footage of you and instead of just having it be full screen where people are just like staring up your nostrils and like looking behind you at all the weird basement stuff in the shot behind you and they're like getting distracted going, this guy's not nearly as rich as he pretends to be. You know, all that extra stuff. What we can do is now I can take those photos of you and cut you out and then have it be all stop motioned and paper textured and can fly a camera past you. You're going to look like a million bucks. 
And meanwhile, you shot it on your iPhone. And I think that's the secret. The stuff that we make that's really, really impressive for low budgets is when the person says, well, let me go out with the band and we'll do a cool photo shoot at this like factory around the corner we know. And then we'll make something really badass out of it. Because then what you have is the custom content. This is you. This is what you look like now with the, the cool new mullet you grew just for this album. But it's not just five minutes of staring at your, up your nose while you play guitar. We're taking you and we're going to manipulate you and, and do all this cool digital stuff that takes it to the next level and distracts a little bit from the fact that you aren't as famous as their other favorite artists are. That's just like, to be raw, it's like, as an independent artist, you want them not thinking about the, how you're struggling while they're enjoying your art. You know what I mean? And I think when we talk about hiding that you're broke, I'm not a fake it to your make it guy. I'm always like, hey, live in your truth about wherever you are in your music. But in that moment where someone's soaking up your hit single, you don't want them to be thinking about how poorly this has been assembled or shot. And I think if you want, really want to appear in it, because it's important that you're looking right into the camera at this one line do that take a dope photo of you staring right down the lens and a couple of other adjacent photos and send them and we'll include them in the video and then you it's really a best of both worlds yeah absolutely you can both be very open about where you're at and not look like shit at the same time <laughs> exactly bro it's like when you go on a first date a good first date you're not going to be lying about where you are in your life she's going to figure that shit out by date three so you're being honest but at the same time you're packaging yourself in the presentable way you know and that's how that's how i think about it is you don't want to be lying to your fans and i think people who get caught up in fake it till you make it it can really suck the joy out of the experience of being an independent artist where you're really trying to be like oh the momentum behind this last single has been crazy <laughs> and it's like oh that's that's so disheartening to have to like whip up excitement with like lies and like pretending all these other people are excited i love those indie artists who go 11 pre-saves can i get 12 and they're like being so honest about I'm way more enthusiastic and, and, and engaged than the ones where I go, he's just like, oh, we're at 10,000. And I'm like, I don't think so. We all have a little of that hater in us where we're just like, that doesn't check out. And so I've, I listen, for moral reasons and for your own soul protection, I'm really big on living the truth. But then, yeah, find a way to make that work with a good marketing strategy still. Yeah. So just as we wrap up here, any advice that you would give to a, a young artist or something you wish you would have known when you were just getting started in the music industry? <sighs> so much, man. <laughs> Lay it out. So much. I am, I, listen, I have, this has been a real experience for me as I come out of being a musician for many years. And then now that I'm working behind the scenes in the industry on the video side and working with marketing teams and A&R teams, I'm not going to give the answer you want, but I'm going to give the honest answer. The thing that I wish someone would have told me is in line with some of the stuff you talked about with the reality of the music industry is there's quite a bit that is a mirage and is kind of baseless. And because of that, not only do people have bad marketing strategies, they're bad, joyless marketing strategies that are not fun to do and are not working. And so you think about Social media scheduling is a good example of this. People have gotten way smarter than your social media schedule is. And I know so many artists who, they come to me because I'm a big social media guy. And they're like, how do you do it? How, I can't, uh, uh, it's because they've got a completely mis incorrect understanding of what they should be doing. Or you think about people who are paying to play onto tours, or you think who are, you know, approaching the music industry like, like a hand's going to come along and like help them in some way. And instead... When I'm in a room and I'm smoking weed or drinking with a young artist and I'm like, hey, can I give you some advice? The advice is always this. Build your business from the ground up with good business principles like you're running any other business. Live in your truth because if that business doesn't get off the ground, as it statistically will likely not 
from a financial perspective, you will be way happier with the art that you put out and the time that you invested in that business if you live in your truth and make art that is genuine to you and the content that you make to promote that art is also genuine to you and really telling your story because 99.9% of us are never going to get past making just barely enough to like maybe pay our rent or... And so I speak to you. I speak to you, the people who, if I'm talking to 1,000, 990 of us are never going to get over a certain financial threshold. And so... What you need to do is then think about, well, how do I run this as a sustainable long-term business that isn't going to suck the joy and love out of me every time one of my songs doesn't get added to New Music Friday? And I think that's the hamster wheel I find a lot of my creative music friends in. Like, how do I get on New Music Friday? How do I hack the system? How do I get... It's like, those are all a complete waste of your time and energy to be thinking from that perspective. You should be spending all of your time thinking about business and telling your story because that's truly how you're going to have any traction anyways. And if you don't get traction, and I'm only going to say this one last time, you'll be happier because you did live in your truth and you did make authentic stuff along the way. That's my little rant about the music business. Preach, dude. You're speaking my love language here. (laughs) Well, Anthony, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Where can people find... My pleasure. Thank you for being a beacon of truth. (laughs) First of all, let me say it. Thank you for being a beacon of truth and like continue to spread good information because we should not stop making music just because the industry is saturated. We should just keep making music but making it smart and making it from the right place. People can find me very easily. So if you're looking for me personally and you just want to connect with me, my name, Anthony Craparata, there's only like three of me in the whole world, so I'm really easy to find. (laughs) My music alias is IllVibe, and because I'm verified on socials, I can't change that name. Therefore, if, for example, you want to find me on Instagram or Twitter, you find me as IllVibe. But anywhere else, I'm Anthony Craparata, and you can find me quite easily by that name. LyricVids.com is the company. You're more than welcome to email me at contact at LyricVids.com if you'd like to talk about videos or if you have some questions from the podcast I can't always answer super quick when I'm in the middle of a crazy week but I do put them aside and like we'll sit down on like Sunday night and like power through some answers because from the last podcast I did like this I got a lot of like hey could I ask some questions about how to get my business off the ground which I love answering those questions but I want to give it the time it deserves and I can't always do that within 24 hours so if you don't hear back right away fear not I will hit you back but yes listen man thank you very much for doing what you do so that's it for my conversation today with Anthony Craparata of LyricVids.com. You can go check him out on his website. Real quick before we go, if you want to know more about building a sustainable music career that gives you freedom and independence, we have a whole workshop on that. Just go to MusicBusinessMindset.com to sign up. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would you just give us a quick five-star review? Really helps the show rank higher and more people discover it. And last favor, if this podcast has touched you, you've learn something would you consider giving us a share so that your friends can be in the loop about what's going on here we believe we've got something special helping people navigate the music industry and learn how to build a sustainable music business so just go ahead and share or tag us or whatever you want to do we just want to make sure that more people have an opportunity to find this show but for now that's it and we will see you next week 